Hi, welcome to Per My Last Email. This is your host, Michaela. Every other week, I'll be coming on here to tell you everything going on in my life. Sometimes it'll be real estate and some tips and tricks for all of you. Sometimes it'll be everything that drives me crazy about building a business, but it'll always be something you can relate to and be like, yep, definitely feel that. Each episode is meant to inspire, connect, and maybe lead you to a glass of wine while we all discuss the many reasons we've all thought about writing emails, starting with the phrase, per my last email. This is a Soul Fire production. Hi, welcome to episode five of the Per My Last Email podcast. I'm so excited that this is moving right along. With that being said, today's episode is back to usual. I've got a guest on today, and she's a little bit different than some of our other guests because she's been through many iterations of her personal life, her business life, and figuring out how to make those two things interact with each other. So I'm excited to hear from her. But first, I kind of wanted to give you my version, my spiel of how to make your personal life and business life interact. To be honest, mine don't interact properly. And I don't really know anyone who has figured out how to make theirs interact properly. I think there's a lot of talk about balance and how to properly balance and how to spend enough time working and enough time playing and enough time caring for yourself and enough time going to yoga and enough time drinking water and enough time answering emails and enough time not yelling at people and so on and so forth. I don't know if there's enough time in the day for all of it. So my general opinion has always been figure out what has to happen that day and just do that. So if you got to answer 87 emails that day, then answer 87 emails that day. And if you need to go to three workout classes and drink a bottle of rosé that day, then just do that. Wake up every morning and just listen to what you need. And obviously not everybody has the flexibility to do that. Not everybody has the luxury. And I will call it a luxury of waking up and saying, I can answer three emails today and then go work out versus you've got to clock in at a certain hour. You've got to clock out at a certain hour. You've got to be in XYZ meetings all day because the company has put you in them. But if there is a way for you to be flexible. And if there is a way for you to control a little bit of your time, I would say just be honest with where you're at and where you're feeling and do that. And that kind of leads into my next point, which is you've got to be kind to yourself if you want to change your mind. I am the queen of changing my mind. I will say that I've gotten much less energetic about it as I've gotten older, which to be honest is incredibly frustrating to me at the moment. But I went to architecture school and I said, I'm not going to be an architect. I worked at the bars and I said, I wasn't going to do that. I decided I was going to be some kind of designer, decided I wasn't going to do that, was going to be a realtor, was going to be a developer, was going to be a million things, decided to run a nonprofit, then decided I was done with the nonprofit, started a podcast. Good news. So far, I'm still into it. But changing your mind is okay. I think when we make commitments to do things, we, or at least I make such a strong commitment to it. I feel like I'm married to it. We're in this for life together. And that's just not the case. That has been quite the learning lesson for me. It was incredibly emotionally hard to close my nonprofit and not because I was like tied to it, but because I felt like I was failing if I quit or if I closed it. I was failing all the people that had helped me build it. I was failing all the people that we had helped. I don't know who I was failing, but I felt like I was failing everybody. My heart wasn't in it anymore. And I didn't feel like I could do it from the right place anymore. And I think in all of us, we, in the same way that we wake up some mornings and we're like, today, we literally need to go do yoga for multiple hours to calm down. I think we all generally have a sense if we can listen for it of when we're done with something or when it's time to move on or when it's time to move cities or when it's time to close a business or start a business or quit a job or change jobs or whatever it is. We all have this like sense and we get, the best way I can explain it is like my chest gets heavy. 
And it's like every time I think about that activity, my chest gets heavy and it feels like I've got my body plus 10 pounds of bricks to move just to get that activity going. And it's taken me some time to figure out that it's okay to end things and it's okay to move on with new things. And the world won't end if I do it. And if I am ridiculed, then I'm ridiculed. But that weight in my chest will go away. And I actually feel the same way about my clients. I've had clients who have just given up and said, screw it, we're not buying anything or we're not selling. This is really hard. This is really a lot. We need an emotional break. And I'm the first to tell them, go ahead and take one. But I don't think we're that kind to ourselves, especially in our work lives. It seems to me that especially if you do work for a company, until you've basically been broken down to pieces, no one leaves. And I don't know. I've never worked for a corporation, so all of this is just my observation. But I just wonder what it would be like if people left before they were broken down to rocks. And in my case, for the entrepreneurs, what does it mean for those of us who can separate ourselves from all the guilt and leave when it's time rather than stick around because we feel guilty? I don't know the answers, just my thoughts. But we are going to speak to somebody today who uh, knows a little bit about changing careers, lives, stages. Maybe she's got some wisdom. So hope you enjoy the episode. So today's episode, I'm interviewing Renee Silverman. I'm not going to get into exactly how I know you just yet because it's a funny story, but go ahead and introduce yourself and the business that you run and where we can find you. So I'm Renee Silverman Mm -hmm. and I am the owner of Herbs Luggage in Vernon Hills. My husband and I are partners, but we are a woman-owned business, which I'm very proud of and feel like that's something that sets us apart from a lot of other small businesses. Let's start with the story of how I know you because this is fun. So as everybody knows, I run a real estate design business. And if I have clients that live out of state and they have properties with renters in them, I manage those properties. And your daughters live in one of the properties I manage. And what's even funnier about all of this is your daughters and I went to the same high school, did not know one another. I also went to the world's largest high school known to man. So that's not uncommon that there are people that I've never met that were in my high school. You also have three daughters, two of which are the same age because they're twins. I could have met three of them and I still never met any of them until they slowly but surely started collectively living in that apartment. The best is that I didn't know there were three. I only thought there were two of them. And then one moved out and she subbed herself in with another sister and all of your daughters look the same. So she basically subbed herself in with like the same face, but like a new name. (laughs) And that's how we got here. So we now know that I found you via your daughters. Tell me a little bit about how you got to owning Irv's luggage and kind of your journey. If you sure. could explain it, let's say, in like a five-step process. So like okay. from going to college maybe to like today, give me like sure. the bullet point five steps to okay. get here. So I graduated from college mm-hmm. with a marketing degree okay. and went to work for a retail company. And I was there for about five years for retail company that I, I kind of worked my way up through the ranks. And at a certain point, my family owned a business, Herbs Luggage. It, at the time, there were multiple entities. There was Emporium Luggage, there was Herbs Luggage. So my brothers owned the company and they approached me and said, why don't you come and work for us? The timing yeah. was right. And I was ready to move on from the other you know position that I was in. So I joined the business in really like a buying capacity at that time. Now we're going back to 1989. 
And you were in a position previous to working in your yeah. family's business that was like also to do with like merchandising and yes. buying. So yes, it was all in actually. line the same way. It was. I okay. Was a, I was a manager. I worked my way up with Talbot's, which was Got a retail it. company. And I was a store manager. And it was, so it, it exposed me to, you know, merchandising and operations and different aspects yeah. of brick and mortar retail at the time. So I came in to the business and, you know, worked for a few years full-time as a buyer, which was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. We had a lot of stores at that time. We probably had 13 brick-and-mortar stores. So I would go to shows, buy products, merchandise them in each individual stores, and make decisions based on the geographic area of each store. And then I got pregnant and had Jessica. So yeah. at the time, I wasn't an owner in the company. I was just an employee, which was fine. It was at the time, I guess. And so I made the decision to take time off as a new mom. So I took about seven years off. And in that time, I had Jessica, and then I went on and I had my twins. And, you know, by the time the twins got into preschool, I was really ready to go back to work. So I went back to my brothers and said, you know, what do you have for me? So I went back again in a buying capacity, but this time a little bit of marketing as well. And this was now 1999. So I'd been back at work, you know, on a part-time basis for, you know, several months. And my brother called me into his office and he said, you know, what about this internet thing? Like, do you want to look at, you know, see what you can do with this internet thing? And that's basically what, what he called it. And yeah. what did we know at the time? So I said, sure. You know, and that was really a very pivotal moment in my career and in everything that I did from that point forward. Because, you know, once I started looking at the internet thing, I never looked back. I started with the website, you know, developing a website, building a website. There was just so much to learn at the time because I was not born into a generation where we had internet and computers right. and it was my generation really didn't know yeah. any of this. So there was a really a huge learning curve, but I was excited to be sort of on the cutting edge of something new. It also wasn't polished yet. Like for us to go make a website right now, even if it's not like perfect, it's not that hard. Right. No, like, it isn't. It's really not that hard. It's, it's super there's like, easy. There's like a whole system in place and you just like right. click in the answers and it makes you a website. Right. I'm assuming in like 2000, right. there was no Wix or Squarespace or, it you know. Not. So I you mean, actually had to physically figure this out so with no I, system. That's right. Well, I mean, I, I collaborated with a graphic designer and the graphic designer had to collaborate with a developer and, you know, all the moving parts had to work together. The designer really didn't know programming and the programmer didn't know design and there wasn't a lot of connection between those parts back then and I also didn't understand a lot about how a website was built and what it was you know what it had to do on the back end um that it's so much more than visual I mean there was so much learning still to be had um how to make a website shoppable findable how do you market a website and I was experienced in marketing to the degree that you know, I did a lot of print marketing, postcards, traditional forms of marketing. Digital was an entirely different animal. I mean, it was measurable. It was expensive. You could make expensive mistakes. So it was a very exciting time, but it was also just every year things would change. I mean, it was just such a rapidly changing industry at the time. Do you feel like you took the reins? Like, so you're sitting in your brother's office and he says, what do you think of this internet thing? Do you feel like you just took that conversation, took the reins on it, and kind of went Absolutely. wild? Absolutely. Like, I mean, no I one just... expected you to go left no. as hard as you went left? No. No one expected it. No one knew what the possibilities were. I mean, no one really understood mm. it at the time. You know, so it was only through a lot of research and talking to so many different people and exposing myself 
to other websites. I mean, at the time there was another luggage you know, retailer called eBags. So they were like the ones to watch. So I studied what they did. I studied how they did it. And, you know, that was a huge way that I learned how to do what we needed to do. You know, they were just a strictly an e-commerce business. We weren't just e-commerce. We were brick and mortar e-commerce. And that's different. You know, we still had stores. And so it was a time of tremendous change and yeah. learning. But I went great guns from that moment, like forward and never looked back. Okay. So we had the non-triplets that look like triplets. <laughs> we came back to work. Brother right. says, what's this internet thing? You kind of take the reins on that and then bring us to today. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, so you're going now spanning a period of time that's about 18 years, right. you know, from the year 2000 up into 2018, you know, we're talking about several iterations of a website, the rise of Amazon, eBay, all these different marketplace channels, the affiliate marketing channel. I mean, there were so many different channels that through those years, I not only learned, but mastered because in that way I could hand it off over the years. I had to find someone to manage each of these channels right? because it was too much you know, for one person to do. But, but it was important to me to master each channel before I, I handed it. it off so that I really understood the potential. I really understood the challenges and where to go with it. Right. You know, it was during this time also that I learned a lot about email marketing. That was the digital marketing that we needed to do. And something I mentioned earlier also is that was one of the first people that I knew in my industry to experiment with social media. I had a, a Twitter handle. I had a Facebook page. Mm. And I played with these things. I didn't know what the potential was. And at that time, I was one of the first adopters for business and personal, to be honest. Yeah. In my generation, I didn't have that many friends that were on Facebook yet in 2007 and 2008. Yeah. I mean, you told so, me you had a Facebook before your daughters. I had a Facebook before my daughters. And like your daughters are, huh? we'll call it plus or minus two years on me. Yeah. But right. like I, I'm 30. So like we'll say they're 28. The fact that you had some of these socials before them where realistically, we all just say we're the generation of social, like right. we're the keeper of social, we're the inventor of social. We do all the social. It means something if you had it Prior. Yeah, I mean, I was just open to every new thing, mm. every new channel. If I didn't understand it, I set about to learn it. You know, I sent myself to many, many e-commerce conferences around the country and with the intention of learning something new every time. And it was always changing and evolving. And social was just another thing I had to figure out, yeah. learn and understand if there was potential there for my business. And, you know, it's just evolved so much since then. I used to run contests and that's how I came to the point where today I have over 5,000 followers on my Herbs Luggage page it was through those early days of running contests and, you know, getting people to follow my page mm. and incentivizing. Yeah. And too. I mean, that's how like influencers do it on Instagram. Right. So that makes sense. Right. And I did that too. I, yeah. would, I would find travel bloggers and send them things and have right. them post on social media and we're going back again to like 2008 2009 2010 so crazy that's like literally influencer ago. marketing correct before that before that before that, that, before that even had a thing yeah exactly at the time it was really part of affiliate marketing which was a, another channel was sort of like affiliate marketing was like an outside sales force mm. you know so some of the affiliate marketing channels comprised of like coupon sites like ebates and some of those that aren't 
very well known right now, I don't think, but it was also comprised of bloggers, travel bloggers and other bloggers. So I would send product to people I would connect with and in exchange for them writing about my product and tagging my site. Okay. So you spend, call it 18 years building this business with your family. Right. And then how do we get to today? So, you know, worked for my brothers for all those years. And so our company over the years that I had worked for them shifted from primarily a brick and mortar business to primarily an internet business. Yeah. And, you know, it was 80% e-commerce, 20% brick and mortar, which was just a complete 360 degree shift. But in the end, because of the influence that Amazon exerted over e-commerce, it became almost impossible to do it profitably because Amazon had become too integral to our whole business and luggage and large items hit dimensional weight and just the freight became astronomical. We didn't have the, you know, shipping deals that Amazon had. And, you know, so basically it was just a very hard pivot. So my brothers made the decision to retire, closed up the company in 2018. And at the time I was terrified. I thought, well, I can't retire. So they made the decision to close the company. And for several months prior to that, you know, we talked about the possibility of me just going and getting another job and using all the marketing skills that I had acquired over the years. And then we kind of toyed with the idea of reopening with a very simple business model instead of a complicated internet business model, just a simple business model of a brick and mortar store, you know, maybe a website because I kind of know that because we felt that in the end, it really wasn't brick and mortar that was a problem. It was really doing business primarily online that became a problem in our vertical. Yeah. But I was terrified of having all the responsibility of running a business because I knew what I knew, which was primarily in the internet side of things, you know, web development and how to run a website and how to do business on eBay and all these different channels. I wasn't so sure I knew how to actually run a business and, you know, make decisions that could make or break a business. Right. But the more that we talked about it, the more I thought, okay, you know, maybe we can do this. So we made the decision when the original company closed to reorganize and restart the company. So restarted as a new company called Windy City Luggage and Repair. But we bought the DBA Herbs Luggage from the state of Illinois because on the consumer side, consumers in this market knew the brand. It had a very established and really respected brand. So we thought that would be an advantage to us. So we reopened in August of 2018 in my brother's building in Mount Prospect, but they were selling the building. So we knew that we were only there very temporarily. So we started looking for new locations and we looked you know, in the Mount Prospect area because they had had their business there for about 22 years. At the time of the original company closing, there had been a store in Northbrook for 20 years. We thought, okay, we've got a good following in Northbrook Deerfield, so we worked in that area. And, you know, just by happenstance, I happened to have a friend, she's a woman-owned business owner Mm -hmm. in Vernon Hills in the center that we are in today. And she said, you you really should look at my center. And at first glance, I thought, "Uh, you know, it's it's a little old. It's not, you know. It's it's, not pretty and flashy. It's not pretty. It's not flashy. But I'm very open-minded. I'm always willing to consider anything, truly. So I looked at the space and pretty much from the first moment I stood in the front and I saw the traffic that was driving by the store and I knew this was it. I just knew this was it. I just had a feeling about it. I had a gut feeling about it. Milwaukee was just such a busy street. And I just felt like it had every advantage that we needed in a brick and mortar location with 
the draw from Northbrook and Deerfield and, you know, kind of the old customer yeah. base being very drivable distance to opening us up to all new markets in Vernon Hills, Libertyville, Lake Zurich, this whole North area that yeah. we had not previously been in. So I thought, you know, could it really be more perfect? So that was it, you know. Yeah, we, and now you have your store. Now we have the store, you know. I, I stepped in, having never built out a store before, never worked with contractors, I'd never dealt with anything close to a build-out. And, you know, it just felt so right from day one. Mm. So I felt like, you know, here I was in my late 50s, embarking on a new business and as frightened as I was like six months earlier, a year earlier, it just felt very right. And I felt like I knew exactly what I wanted to Did do. Did it feel there. like a new business, even though you had been working it for close Did to 20 it? years? Absolutely. It felt like a completely new business because it was my business now. Right. <laughs> you couldn't hide business. under everybody else. It was my business now. And it was going to be my vision of what this business could be. You know, believe me, I don't underestimate the work that went into building the brand all those decades. You know, that was hard work. My brothers were part of and all the accompanying staff that was involved in our stores built the brand. So we were very fortunate to inherit a really great, strong consumer brand in the market. But the vision for this store was really my vision. I wanted to be part of a community. I wanted to be in a community. I wanted to be a giving part of a community. Mm. From the moment we opened the doors, it was very important to me to connect with a charity, something that right. we could be part of. And I found it almost immediately. It was like unbelievably meant to be that I was connected to two women who run a nonprofit called Luggage for Freedom. And from the moment I met them, I said, I want to work with Do you, you feel like this is the feminine version of the original store? It certainly is. I mean, from the vision I had when you walk in, I wanted the front of the store to be painted with iconic world sites like custom murals yeah custom murals you know because i thought travel is not about the luggage it's about the experience yeah people are going on these incredible experiences around the world like i wanted whoever's going to walk in the store to feel that right away yeah and i think you i mean offline you had made the comment of like you were told by others like why on earth would you spend money on custom murals in a store right when, like, your job is to sell things, why are you spending money right. on the walls? Yeah. And, you know, I just knew that that was a feeling I wanted mm. to create. I wanted to create, like, a beautiful space, a space that people would walk in and say, wow, this is a beautiful store. Something I don't think I pointed out to you, actually, when I took you around the store was that the entire perimeter of the store is decorated with my family's travel photos. Oh, that's amazing. I point that, so we are big travelers. My yeah. family, my daughters and I, and I've had the privilege of traveling with two out of three of my daughters with the trip for the third daughter planned right now, oh, actually, amazing. for January 22. Cool. So they've traveled yeah. and, and I have photos of their travels around the world and my travels with them right. and our family's travels. So I've made it very personal because this is my store yeah behind the cash wrap I did a photo montage to my dad who was Irv and I have you know three photos that just mean the world to me so the first one is was taken in 1950 of him and then there's a photo of my dad from 1975 and one from 1995 the one from 1975 was taken in Yorktown Shopping Center which my father opened in 1969 Mm. and it was the first specialty luggage store to open in a mall 
Oh, wow. There's yeah. a lot of like firsts attached to this brand to begin with. So it's, yeah. I think it's cool too that the reality of it is that it was always a family business. Mm-hmm. It was your father's family. Then it was kind of like, it still was even when your brothers had the store. Mm-hmm. Realistically, it was your father's business. Mm-hmm. And then once it closed and you've reopened, it suddenly became like the Silverman clan's, you know, store. Right. There's such a difference there. There's such a change internally of how it functions, what it looks like. Right. It's all full circle. It's all full circle. <laughs> circle you know and it, it truly does feel that way to come back to like this simple business model of a brick and mortar store right which is exactly what we are we're one brick and mortar right. store we do luggage repair we do sales we, we, yeah. we work with the airlines yeah. but it was incredible for me to realize that all the years that i did e-commerce all of that knowledge that whole knowledge base was working for me with this simple business model because now in in 2020 and 2021 and you know you need to have some knowledge of of web business sure so i was able to build a website and you know it's it's a phenomenal sales tool you know i don't have it so that we can be an e-commerce business per se although we do sell on the website of course it's really just such a powerful sales tool it validates our business yeah It allows me to market. If there was a point in that 18 years when you were working a portion of the business that was kind of owned and run by others to now having it on your own. And you have alluded to like what you learned in that 18 years Mm -hmm. was so useful and so integral for the business you have now and running it. But was there ever a point where it was like you wanted to be here before you got here? I was restless for many years. Yes. You know, I was learning a lot. And I was grateful to have the opportunity yeah. to have had the opportunity to learn what I learned. Yeah. But no, I was restless. As mm. a matter of fact, I, at one point, I considered leaving to go back to school and get a master's. And I actually took the GMAT. Oh, like I you took, were ready to go. I was ready. I took a class. I took the GMAT, which means I sat in a room with the several hundred yeah. people that were yeah. young enough to be all my children's yeah. age. So you didn't know this was going to be the solution. I didn't know this was going to yeah. be it. And I couldn't right. have foreseen it right. either because I couldn't have foreseen yeah. the world was going to yeah. shift and yeah. how yeah, yeah. Amazon was going to shift our business so dramatically. I do feel having this business is fulfilling in a way that I didn't imagine, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Because when a customer comes in, we're so much about, yes, I need to have the right merchandise in my store. That's the obvious critical, you know, that's a critical point. But the most important thing to both of us, and and Pete's so unbelievably excellent at this too, we build relationships with every person that walks in. Like every person that walks in, we want them not only to find exactly what they're looking for, but we want them to love shopping here. And we try to make that a reality for every person. And to really know that we're doing that, we're taking the time to really get to know people and to find out where they're going and where they live Mm. and, you know, how they found us and why they're here. I mean, people come in as customers, and and I don't mean to sound cliche, but they do leave as our friends. Yeah. Going to a store isn't just to go to the store to get the thing to leave the store. Because if you could do that, you can just go on Amazon. Like, you don't need a human interaction. Right. Right. If you're interested in getting the human interaction... Then there has to be more than like, hey, how are you? Here's our stuff. I'll be over here if you have questions. It's got to be more than that. There's got to be that relationship. And that's what people are craving. Right. Absolutely. And I think an interesting thing that you kind of made me think of that I think is a a product of the pandemic is the loyalty people feel for small businesses and supporting small businesses. I mean, you know, the pandemic brought all of it to a head for certainly for restaurants that were really struggling. 
but for small businesses like ours too, you know, we're a travel business, but we were a direct hit. Yeah, there's no traveling. People were not traveling. I mean, there were months that people didn't come in and buy a single piece of luggage. I mean, they bought puzzles and, you know, we found ways, you know, to connect with people. So funny story about the puzzles is, you know, did you sell puzzles prior to the no, pandemic? No. Like, it why would you like, have puzzles in your store? Exactly. And I just, you know, one day my husband and I went down to the city on a Sunday. Yeah. Just walking around Lincoln Park and we went into a store. I saw these puzzles and I thought, you know, why don't we try it? I took down the names of a couple of the puzzle companies that I saw in this little gift shop. And one of them, I mean, some things are just meant to be, you know, everything works out kind of the way it's supposed yeah. to, I believe. So one of the companies happened to be a guy of all places. <laughs> the guy lives in Wilmette. Okay. Kind of like how your daughter's moved into my well, exa- apartment. Got exactly. It. Mm-hmm. The guy lives in Wilmette. His puzzle company warehouse is in like Bloomingdale. And I said, you know, let me try a dozen puzzles. I get them literally the next day and start, you know, of course, marketing them yeah. on Facebook and Instagram. And people would start coming in to buy puzzles. This is October. So I can see that this is something. You know, so I start ordering more puzzles and I start looking at different vendors. And before long, I developed, I thought, you know, let's create some loyalty here. I developed the Herbs Luggage Puzzle Club, made up a card. And if you bought 12 puzzles, you get the 13th puzzle free. I mean, it became a big thing. Yeah. Like I would post photos of the new puzzles. Like every couple of weeks, I'd have new puzzles coming in. So I was at a constant flow of, <laughs> I'd get in the old puzzles, but I always got in new puzzles yeah. to give people a reason to come yeah. in. And it was just tremendous. Like people would order five or six puzzles online. Mm. We did a lot of home delivery to connect with people and to make it easy. And it was a huge thing. Herb's luggage sells puzzles. Herb's luggage sells puzzles. I always said to people, if you walk into a luggage store and the first thing you see are puzzles and candles, <laughs> you know something's up. Yeah, like it's different. It's just not what you expect. But it's, but it's the solution to the problem you had. Exactly. I basically started and finished every video that I made. I I do make a lot of videos Mm. and post those on Facebook and Instagram. And my tagline, I mean, for a good six months and at the beginning and end of every video was herbs luggage was so much more than luggage because we needed to be. I mean, we needed to be, we needed to give people a reason to come in. And that was the gift business. So we sold tons of games. And what I have also found is not only has there been a tremendous amount of community support for local businesses because people are afraid to see the local yeah. businesses leave their communities. But we also live five minutes from where we work, yeah. which is something new. And the power in that is tremendous. The power in living and working in your community, I mean, has been really tremendous. I mean, there is almost not a day that goes by that someone doesn't come in just to say hi, someone that we know. So that's been also very powerful for us too. You know, people that we know that want to support our business yeah. and they just come in and buy all these peripheral gifts and things like that. It's interesting too, for anybody who's like new to starting a business or just out of college and trying to figure out what they're doing and where they're living and just what planet they're on in general right. to just understand that they're living and they're playing and they're eating and they're all of their things that are in their personal life mm-hmm. have such an important connection to their business life, whatever that might be. Even if they work for some big company and they, you know, just have some, you know, random marketing position, you have no idea what the connections and interactions that you make in your personal life when you go out to eat or whatever, when you go get your luggage at the store, whatever that might be, you don't know how integral those relationships might be to your business relationship five years down the road. And so like the proximity of it all is really important unless you are a full online business. In right. which case, then the proximity doesn't matter at all. Right. But certainly, 
I mean, there's so much overlap in our lives in every way. You, you really, I mean, that's. Do you guys walk to work sometimes? No, we don't. We're not. That, that is. But I, I've ridden my bike. I've ridden my bike. The most suburban thing ever. I know. In the city, people will walk like 80 hours <laughs> and know. be like, it's lovely. I'm going for a 17 hour oh walk God. in the suburbs. It's like, I live four blocks. I will drive. I know. That is so funny. It's true. I've ridden my bike. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I've done. Like yeah. twice or like more than twice? Well, last summer I rode quite a bit. Oh, quite a bit. Okay. Actually. Yes. Okay. So not twice. Not twice. No, <laughs> no. Quite a bit. Okay. Fair. Yeah. So. With your husband? No. Or he drove? He drove. See, somebody still drove. Exactly. Five minutes. And we never come together. We're always coming and oh going at different times. So we never drive together. That's actually the best. Do you guys feel like, you and I haven't even talked about this. This just yeah. popped in my head. Do you feel like, well, I guess he worked um, at the other company too. So like you guys have kind of worked and lived collectively yes, for a long time. But it was but different. very different before because before everyone hits up we didn't well we did not really overlap i see I mean, he was doing the repair business yeah and he was on the sales floor and i was in the front office doing my internet stuff oh so i see never did our paths got it, got it got it so so what is it like now that so you guys like it's, it's, live the same life right i mean we we have to collaborate on a lot of things yeah i think we spend every single day together i mean not only do we work together six days a week but we go home after work right. and we make dinner and we yeah, watch yeah. tv and whatnot you know, we have found you guys like a other. balance. You know, I have to tell you, you know, listen, I'm not going to tell you every minute is yeah. perfect. Every minute is yeah. perfect. We are extraordinarily blessed in that we really like each other. Well, that's good news. You know, and I, I, I you know, we, we like each other. We respect each other. Yeah. We don't always have to agree. And he's always just even and nice even and keeled he's even keeled and i'm gonna you know i can be very type a sometimes yeah. like okay we're gonna do it this way and yeah i sometimes my vision for things is so strong yeah like i know exactly how i want the sales board to look and i know exactly what i want to do right. you know i'm very definitive i know like i know yeah i have to so, sometimes back down yeah. and back off a little bit and you know gentler but you know in general we've really been fortunate to find a way to work together because we do it. We manage it every day and it works. It really does. Do you have, I just thought of this. I have a girlfriend, mm -hmm. her brother and his new wife packed up their life during yeah. quarantine, even before they were married, literally like sold their stuff, packed up their life, got in a car and started driving right. and just like drove from city to city and ended up on the West coast, got married recently. But along this two month long drive, yeah. they started a business and <laughs> Well, they like literally sold everything, quit their like big corporate jobs. And we're right. like, we're going to just go do something else. We're going to be quarantine people. Right. I run a business by myself. And I know that I can be a little bit how you're describing. Like I have my vision. I have my thing. And I'm like, right. can be very type A. Right. And I want it my way because I'm already like, I've already drawn it out 18 yes. steps ahead. And if yeah. we mess up the first two with some changes, the amount of work it's going to take me to now redraw steps three through 18 seems really like a lot of work right. that I don't want to do. Right. So we could just do it my way. And then I can just stick to the 18 steps I've already planned. Right. right. Why do more work? Right. But the idea that like I would have to like back down or collaborate seems really challenging to me because anytime I've been in those situations, yeah. yes. especially when I wasn't the one that was technically in right. charge of it, I felt like my say didn't have a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. So then once it is mine, I sometimes can get very like my say should have all the weight. Right. It's hard to relinquish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I would say that he really respects my business sense. He, he respects my decisions. Yeah. So we collaborate on certain things. Right. But a lot of the time I just sort of 
move forward. Mm. And if I feel strongly about a brand, then I might ask him his opinion right. on something or other. But everyone has their lane. Everyone has their lane. You know, his lane is in the repair side of things, and he works with United Airlines, and he does. Yeah, you know, he's got his side of the business. Right, and he's phenomenal on the sales floor. Mm. You know, people connect with him. He's very friendly, and he just connects with people. Yeah, like he's kind of an every person's person. Yeah, good energy. Like everyone wants he's to a, like be he's near positive, it. He's positive, he's friendly, he's warm. Mm. So that's his, you know, I can do that too. Right. But that's really his thing. Got like it. He's really good at it. He's <laughs> my sales guy. I do it. I'd rather be doing other things. Got to, it. You know. Well, I think that's the point though. Like if you are going to get into business with your significant other, everyone's got to know their strengths of the other and just let them live in that. Right. Don't expect that you have all the strengths. You could, but like you'd rather do something else. Right. So like just let right. him go shine over there and like that well, can right. be his thing. I mean, like I have the ideas. Yeah. Like I we talked earlier about this about developing like the bridal registry. Yeah. I want to have the time and the space to to, to create it. To yeah. Create that. And then not just to create it, but to to make it better, mm. to go out and market it and find people to use it and find the best way to use it. So I just have Do you get tired of creating? Never. So interesting. I just had this conversation with somebody and the words that came out of my mouth is I'm really tired of building things, says the girl with the new podcast. Uh, Wow. (laughs) So, you know, take all the things I say with a grain of salt. You know, I guess because I feel like we're still building something here. You know, there's so many things that I, I, you know, like the bridal registry is one thing, but I have other ideas. I I may not even want to give voice to yet, but I do have, you know, do have ideas and ways that I want to see this business continue to grow and reach a certain potential, you know, I just have other ideas, you know. So now that you know this version of you mm-hmm. in this stage of your life, in this mm-hmm. stage of the business, what would you have said to the version of you when you were like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do anymore. Like maybe I'm going to go get my master's. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just right. like, I said this in the last episode, I'm throwing things at the wall to see if any of them stick right. because right. I just can't sit where I'm sitting anymore. And I don't right. know how to get out. Now that you know where you've landed, what would you say to that version of you? You know, I think a mantra my entire life, whether it's been in business or as a parent, has been trust your gut, really trust your Mm. instincts. And it's something that I've fallen back on. I feel like in so many ways throughout my life, just as a mom and as a business owner, like my gut has very rarely steered me in the wrong direction. So I think it's important to kind of listen to your inner voice, whatever that is. You know, sometimes, you know, listen, there were years that, you know, when I thought about going back to school, that my inner voice wasn't very clear. I was really confused about it. But ultimately, you kind of follow your inner voice. And I don't know, trusting my gut has really worked worked for me. And also, I would say that, you know, every experience that you have, we often don't see the value in the moment. In establishing this business, I can tell you that I've drawn on so many of my past experiences in every area of my professional life that no thing that you've learned is ever wasted. Like no thing that you know is ever lost. So I think, you know, we are just an accumulation of everything we know and it makes us better. That's you know? so profound because I think there's the, your highs and your lows, right? And right. so you think like the lows are like, oh, when will this be over? Like when can I just get back? To at least a medium, let alone a high. But I think it's really important to remember, like, even in that low, whatever the success or failures are, like, they are still sort of 
notches on that belt that will ultimately help you get wherever you are going to go. It's still knowledge one way or the other, whether it's driving you crazy or not. And there's value in every experience. Every experience can't be positive and every experience can't be a win. Right. You know, you lose sometimes or you make bad decisions and it just all goes into a pool where you just hopefully make better decisions. Right. Your knowledge base just grows from those experiences. I feel like that's happened for me. And I feel like all the, when I think of all the mistakes I made, yeah. those first 10 years learning yeah. the internet business, I mean, my gosh, you know, but it all culminated in, you know, just a well-rounded set of skills that is really benefiting me today. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you so much for asking. I'm yeah. I'm so happy to finally have the opportunity to face to face. And I will say too, you are probably the most seasoned person we've spoken to yet. And I think that's really important because I've had someone who was kind of my age. I've had somebody who is a bit older, but I've yet to have anybody who has been through many iterations of their business life, not just one, two, or three, because it is such a journey. And it's cool to know that like, if it sucks now, when you look back 10, 20 years, the thing that sucked then, well, I mean, you'll know it sucked, but at least like there's a, there's a silver lining that you'll know in the future about that moment right now. Absolutely. You know, I think back to the years that I, when I went back to work and my kids were young and they were in school, I was running to do, to be everything, to be a mom, to have this career where I was learning and I was traveling a little bit, but I still had small children and it was hard. So, you know, come full circle and what's the upside of that? My kids and their girls grew up watching their mom work and master a career and they were aware of it. They would come to work with me from time to time. And so it was hard doing that in those years, but I'm so happy I did it because I think it really set such a great example for them as young girls and yeah. young women to see their mom working and really yeah see that version yeah exactly so. yeah and it exposed them to something other than just their household which not to right. say there's anything wrong one way or the other but because right. you were a stay-at-home mom but like you can have pieces of it all at different yeah, stages listen, and it, but it's not you know you can have it all but that doesn't make it easy no it doesn't make it fun no. all the time there's so much pull you know yeah. especially as a mother to, you know, oh my gosh, I missed a game. I, you know, I'm not home. I have to work. My kids have a day off of school, but I can't miss work today. So there's so much push and pull. This was excellent. So easy to chat with you. So easy to chat with you. I loved it. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or I thoroughly annoyed you enough that you feel like you have to come back for more, please go subscribe, rate us, send a review, and share us on social. You sharing us means all of our struggles don't have to be in silence anymore. And it means we all have a voice. Most importantly, it means I get to keep making episodes. So please go share. 